Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Well, hello, garden people. Thank you for joining me again this week here in my backyard. I got to say, for being mid-May in Central Texas, we have really gotten off to a mild start. I mean, normally I've already gotten a sunburn, um, but this year uh, it's, it's a little bit different, I guess. I saw in the weather this week that we've only had like one day with above average temperatures and um, a lot more of days with below average temperatures. And that just seems kind of unusual to me, but I'm totally fine with it. I am all right with that because those long, hot summer days aren't too far off. So I am just going to enjoy the cooler temperatures while they last. And my garden really seems to be appreciating the cooler temperatures too. So enjoy the cool days while we can, right? All right. So what's going on in your gardens? Are you all starting to see some good growth on your um, veggie plants? Or, you know, are you starting to see some flowers popping up? I've, I've started to notice that with a lot of my plants. They're just now starting to flower, and pretty soon we'll have some wonderful fruits coming on along, too. Another thing I've noticed um, were some really nice patches of orange wildflowers while out just kind of driving around Taylor this past week. Um, of course, I'm always like focused on driving, so I really haven't gotten, um, you know, a good look at what they are. But it seems to be a combination of orange paintbrushes and blanket flowers. You know, I I love orange, so I really love seeing great big swatches of um, orange wildflowers out on the side of the road. It just makes me happy. I noticed in my backyard, in my garden, that um, the beets had started to push themselves out of the ground, maybe like a half inch or so, just kind of like a little shoulder popping up out of the ground. So I knew that they were done growing and it was time to harvest them. So this past weekend, I pulled up all of my beets and now I have um have to decide what to plant in that bed now. There are three volunteer tomato plants that have popped up in there and I'm just going to leave them. Um, There's still plenty of room for other plants and I'm thinking that might be a good spot for some okra. Maybe I'll plant some okra out there. I also pulled my sugar snap peas this past weekend with all of the humidity and kind of the recent rains they were really looking terrible um, just covered with gross powdery mildew so they went from a nice lush soft green to just kind of a ashy pale gray um, they were still blooming 
But the pots that they were putting on were kind of puny looking, so I decided it was time for them to come out since they really weren't going to last that much longer. As soon as it got hot, they would have been done. So I was satisfied. I'd got a decent crop from those plants. You know, earlier in the year, I had um, planted the seeds, and then like a week or two later, we got um, that big, ridiculous um, winter storm. I was really surprised that they came up at all, but um, I think it put them put them behind by a week or two. Um, so I didn't get as many as I usually do. They are one of my favorite things to grow, so I'm I'm just glad that I got a decent harvest in spite of the winter storm. Another thing um, that I noticed in my backyard is that. I have lots of blackberries that are starting to ripen. I'm really excited about that. This is our second year for those blackberry plants. Last year, um, we'd gotten a little bit of fruit. Not very much. Um, it, it makes sense because they were new plants and needed some time to get established. And of course, I was worried that the that freaky February freeze um, had gotten them, but they look fantastic. <laughs> they look really happy and very healthy. We got lots of new canes this spring and lots of blossoms this year. And now, of course, we've got lots of blackberries, so I'm looking forward to um, picking those. While I was out there uh, checking out my blackberries, I noticed another tomato volunteer growing up through the blackberries. And I'm, of course, I'm going to leave it. It wants to be there, so I'm leaving it. I'm positive it's the same kind of um, tomato as the volunteers that um, have popped up in the bed that was with the beets. These are the teeny tiny current size tomatoes they put on itty bitty tomatoes that are smaller than cherry tomatoes and grape tomatoes and they produce a ton of tomatoes and they do so incredibly well here in central texas i think the um, original plant that we had was called um, matt's wild cherry so if you are out and about in the nurseries and you happen to come across Matt's Wild Cherry or any other red currant type tomato transplants, I highly, rec highly recommend them. They're great plants. All right, there is still plenty of time for getting warm season transplants in the ground. You can continue to put in transplants as you get them. Transplants give you a jump start um, from starting seeds. So if you started from seeds, you have to let them grow and there might be not be enough time to have those little plants established um, before it gets too hot. But transplants are great. If you have um, peppers or eggplants, get them in the ground. They have more extensive root systems and they take a little bit longer to get established, but once they do, they can really take the heat. But get them in the ground as soon as you can, just because it takes a little bit more for them to get established. 
You can always like put up some shade cloth to help with the worst of the summer sun. And of course, all plants benefit from lots of mulch and proper watering. We are kind of running out of time to plant things from seeds, but there are a few things you can plant from seeds before it gets too hot. You can put in warm season greens, okra, southern peas like black eyed peas or cow peas, and uh, you can also plant winter squash, watermelon, and cantaloupe. And you can also still plant sweet potato slips. If you are interested in growing your own slips from a sweet potato, you can learn more about how to do this um, from the uh, Plow and Host podcast. Just go over to wherever you get your podcast and check out episode 13 of um, Plow and Hose. It's from April 4th. I go into all the details that you need to know about starting and planting sweet potato slips. I started some slips earlier this spring and now I have lots of slips that are just about ready to be planted. We need to get them in the ground um, by the end of June. So you definitely still have some time to grow some slips from a store-bought sweet potato. So go get an organic sweet potato and then listen to the Pie on Hose podcast, episode number 13. Okay, you know, I've mentioned them a few times now that you can plant warm season greens now and pretty much all summer long, but warm season greens isn't particularly helpful in knowing what to plant, so today seems like a good time to talk about these vaguely mysterious warm season greens. For those of us in Central Texas, we can really only grow traditional leafy greens like spinach, lettuce, kale, and all the coal coal crop cousins like collards and mustard greens while we have cool temperatures. We can grow lots of leafy greens in our winter gardens. All of those crops are going to start to bolt, though, as soon as the weather um, starts getting warm. Bolting happens when the weather warms up in the springtime and those cool season greens um, will get a big growth spurt. They start feeling the warmer temperatures and they're like, okay, it's warming up and it's going to be hot soon so i need to start putting on some flowers and get really serious about making seeds and when this happens they grow a flower stalk super fast and something about this shift from leaf production to flower production it increases bitter compounds in the leaves it kind of makes sense it doesn't want you to keep harvesting and enjoying the leaves they are trying really hard to make flowers so it can reproduce and make those seeds. It really just does not have time to keep making leaves. And so by amplifying the bitter, the bitterness, we're going to stop picking and eating those leaves. Once the weather warms up, these heat sensitive crops are going to be more sensitive to um, insect damage and infestation. So As soon as I see a plant starting to bolt, 
I just pull it out and make room for other plants that don't mind the warm weather. We are kind of at that point um, this time of year. Actually, we're past the past the time that we need to do this. Um, we have to wait until late September to plant salad greens like lettuce and spinach. These guys just don't stand a chance in the heat. So if you have some of those seeds, hang on to them until after school starts back up in the fall. If you are just really into leafy greens and you would love to grow some this summer, you absolutely can. Just just want to give you a heads up. Don't expect any of these warm season greens to be an equivalent to romaine or butter lettuce or spinach. Warm season greens are totally safe and, you know, really nutritious to eat, but they are just completely different plants. You know, since moving to central Texas, gosh, probably 20 years ago, I've always had like vegetable plants in one way or another, but it really wasn't until 12 years ago or so that I really tried to figure out what they mean by warm season greens. I'd never heard of warm season greens as like a category of plants. The first time I came across the term warm season greens, it was on the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Vegetable Planting Guide. If you're not familiar with this guide, I highly, highly recommend um, printing off a copy and keeping it handy for reference. It's really good. I laminated mine because it's just so useful and I was printing it all the time um, because it was getting messed up. So my daughter has a laminator, so I just asked her to laminate it for me and I keep it next to my computer on the desk because it's, it's really handy. It's just a simple one page spreadsheet that lists all the popular crops down the left side and across the top are all 12 months. So the crop planting windows are highlighted during the various planting times. So say you wanna plant corn. So you look for corn on the left and then you run your eyes across that row and look to the right until you come across the perfect planting months. So for corn, you would find the best time to plant corn is March through the end of April. And if you keep going along that row, you'll see that you can also plant corn again in late July through early August. So it's just so easy to understand and you have it all in one place. It's a really great visual. And... If you're interested in finding this, you'll need to go out to your county's extension page and I've already checked. You can, um, this particular graph is available for Travis, Williamson, and Bastrop counties. If you live in another neighboring county like Bell or Milam County, just use the Williamson County um, planting guide. That's gonna be a good one for you guys to use. But like I said, this AgriLife Extension Planting Guide was where I first came across the term warm season greens, which is super vague and 
a little mysterious and I might have gotten a little defensive like why do they say that why don't they just tell me why don't they want me to know what kind of plants to grow so of course I took it as a challenge I had to find out and it totally prompted me to do some research and find out what the hell they mean by warm season greens it's a pretty diverse plant category but it pretty much includes all the heat loving plants with edible leaves and from what I can tell they also taste fairly decent you know technically lawn grass is perfectly edible and totally safe to eat but it tastes terrible and nobody wants to eat it so I really wanted to nail down um, some warm season greens because I know it's super super vague but luckily thanks to the internet and lots of really generous and tech savvy people around central Texas with all their wonderful websites and blogs I was able to get a better idea of what kind of warm season uh, you know, I could I had a better idea what warm season greens are and then also what kind of plants and seeds to look for warm season greens include amaranth purple orange sweet potato greens molokai which is also called egyptian egyptian spinach um, malabar and new zealand spinach are also warm season greens and these are all pretty safe bets for our part of central texas and i've grown several of those over here over the past few years and i've also of course done a taste test too you are listening to plow and hose on kbsr black sparrow radio if you are enjoying my show i hope you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn all about the great shows and music coming out of our little station broadcasting from taylor texas while you're out on the internet be sure to stop by the plan host facebook page and like and share it with all of your plant friends also head over to spotify or apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe to the plow and hose podcast if you like the flexibility of being able to play pause and rewind my show whenever you want download some episodes and leave a review it's super quick just click on some stars it's going to help others find the show and it lets folks know that plow and hose is a pretty good show and if you've already left me a review thank you so much i really appreciate that Alrighty now of all the common warm season greens grown here in central texas i've tried malabar spinach purple orange new zealand spinach amaranth and sweet potato greens um, which are just the leaves from a sweet potato vine that we grow for the tubers now there's also ornamental um, sweet potato vines um, these are cultivated more for um, their leaves um, they're really pretty they come in like lime green and there's a couple of them 
that are different shades of purple. They really don't produce tubers. So when they do, they, they, they're really small. Um, and they're not like the sweet potatoes that we grow to um, enjoy. But nevertheless, you can enjoy eating the leaves from both ornamental and regular sweet potatoes. I've never been hungry enough to make a meal of ornamental sweet potato leaves. And, you know, maybe I'm kind of weird, um, a little old-fashioned, but... I just as soon keep the ornamental varieties for like my patio containers and letting them just be beautiful to look at. I don't make a habit of eating decorations, so I'm not really interested in eating ornamental sweet potato leaves. So yeah, just that's a good rule. Don't, don't eat decorations. <laughs> All right, um, sweet potato leaves are pretty similar to salad spinach. They're thin, um, but they're still kind of moist leaves. They're a little bit bitter, and they have a slightly floral taste um, when they're raw. But when they're cooked, they taste just like spinach. I like to pick a handful or so and just add them to a stir fry or chop them up and use them like like spinach, uh, you know, put it in a quiche, something like that. They have tons of vitamins and minerals and of course fiber. If you are already growing sweet potatoes, why not try to incorporate some of the leaves into your summer dishes? Sweet potatoes, they're a really great multi-purpose crop. New Zealand spinach is very similar to regular spinach, it, but it is a totally different plant from regular spinach. It doesn't get as dark green as the spinach that we know. It has small spear-shaped um, leaves. Raw, it tastes green. It has a very planty taste. My initial reaction when I first tasted it was, this tastes like a plant. I know that's not helpful at all, but honestly, I didn't think that it was an amazing enough plant to spend all the time growing and nurturing it all summer long. Not when I could have had the space to grow something different, something that, that I liked better. If you cook it, it tastes like spinach. If you find a New Zealand spinach plant um, while you're out at the nursery, try it. Go ahead, get one. It doesn't take up much space and it's really heat tolerant and you might enjoy it more than I did. So give it a shot. I've also grown Malabar spinach, which is another plant that is not a true spinach. All these plants called spinach, but they're not spinach, so who decided these names? They were either really uncreative and just could not come up with a new name, or they were just like super dismissive, like the cook just said, just call it spinach, they, they won't know any different. I mean, it's just a whole lot easier just call it spinach than it is to explain what it really is. 
I probably should not be very critical because I can kind of see myself doing the same thing. Anyway, uh, Malabar spinach is actually a vine, so you'll want to plant it with a trellis because it's a pretty prolific climbing plant. And it's a very beautiful plant, especially red Malabar spinach. It has gorgeous purpley burgundy reddish stems with dark green leaves and little precious pink flowers. There's also a solid green um, variety and it's got like cute little white flowers. When Malabar spinach is happy, it grows thick and dense and it loves the heat. It grows well, so well in fact, that just one or two plants is plenty for your garden. You'll have lots to eat and you'll have lots to um, still enjoy just to look at. It's a really pretty plant and I've used it, um, I've seen it used in um, planters and grown on a trellis to kind of create like a living screen and you know to like define outdoor spaces. Um, we were at a restaurant in Austin and they had used these Malabar spinach walls to kind of like define the space outside and it kind of like felt like an outdoor room. I thought it was pretty cool. I don't know if the restaurant ever used it to cook with. I probably should have asked, but I don't know, maybe I'll, maybe next time if I see it again, I'll ask. Malabar spinach is native to tropical Asia. It's also sometimes called Ceylon spinach, and it's a popular staple in Sri Lanka, India and the Philippines where they cook it like in a curry with lots of spices and other vegetables and then serve it with rice. It does cooked um, Malabar spinach taste similar to spinach but again it's a totally different plant than what we're familiar with like regular salad spinach. Malabar spinach leaves are succulent they are shaped a lot like regular spinach leaves, but they're quite a bit thicker and they have a definite kind of crispy quality, sort of like iceberg lettuce, but it's slimy inside, kind of like the way okra is. That mucilage that makes it all slimy is also makes it great for digestion. It's full of soluble fiber, so if you're tired of boring, bland, whole grain foods, try some Malabar spinach in your diet. Raw Malabar spinach is juicy and crispy, not crispy, but crisp. And it's also a little bit sour and citrusy. It has um, kind of like a spicy bite to it. Not hot spicy, more like black pepper flavor. But it's slimy. And it seems to get even more slimy the more I chew it. I can only speak for myself. That's what happens when I put it in my mouth and I eat it. Uh, eat, eat the raw Malabar spinach. You know, everybody is different, of course. Some people 
don't mind it at all. They really enjoy it. Um, because it does make a nice green salad. Rinse it off, put it in the fridge where it will get cool and crisp. And I can see how it would be a really refreshing salad on a hot summer day. Fortunately for me, Malabar spinach loses all the slime when it's cooked. It holds up a lot better to cooking than regular spinach, which wilts down like next to nothing as soon as it hits the heat. But Malabar spinach, um, it, it's going to wilt a little bit, but it really holds onto its structure. Malabar spinach takes the summer heat, but it does benefit from some shade. With afternoon shade, you'll get bigger, more succulent leaves. It also needs um, consistent moisture, so be sure to water and mulch it well. Just remember, it's a tropical plant. It doesn't really have to be babied, but it does like a little extra attention. So if you plant some Malabar spinach, go outside and admire it. Harvest some leaves, maintain the soil moisture, and every now and then tell it's beautiful and, and tell it that you love it. Another warm season green that I have grown from seed in my garden is amaranth. A lot of gardeners may be familiar with amaranth because it's a uh, popular bedding plant that has been, it's been around forever and it's just so vibrant and kind of has like these wild flower heads. There are dozens and dozens of varieties of amaranth, but the ones that we are likely to be familiar with, like in the garden centers and also in flower bouquets are really quite flashy. To me, the flower heads kind of look like flames, like, or like feathery plumes. They come in beautiful shades of red from dark, rich crimson to like electric magenta. They are really cool and they look great in pots and in flower beds, but a lot of people don't realize amaranth is also edible. Um, even even the ornamental variety one, varieties that you can find um, for bedding plants. There are, like I said, tons of varieties and other varieties are cultivated for their seeds and their leaves. Amaranth is considered an ancient grain. <coughs> it's been grown for thousands of years. It's not technically a grain but it's a seed crop and it's one of the oldest domesticated crops in the world. It's kind of like quinoa, which is also a seed, um, because it's more common in other countries where they use it to like make porridge and they grind it into um, flour. It's gluten-free, just like quinoa. Amaranth seed um, is also pops, kind of like popcorn put it in a hot pan and it puffs up like teeny tiny little puffed wheat or puffed rice. Um, it's not, it's not hard to do at all. You can just, you know, go out to the internet and search for instructions on how to pop amaranth seed. 
So these green type varieties of edible amaranth have beautiful drapey seed heads and they look like tassels. They're just loaded with lots and lots of tiny little seeds and they're really nutritious and they're full of protein. The leaves can be harvested and used just like spinach. If you want to grow them for the seeds though, it's gonna take about 12 weeks before the um, seed sprays are mature, but you can enjoy the leaves um, in just a few weeks after they, um, they come up. Amaranth like well-draining soil, so put them somewhere that doesn't stay soggy. They are prone to root rot. Now we have heavy, dense black clay soil here in Taylor and our part of Central Texas. So if you are planting directly in the ground, you really need to make sure it's amended with lots of compost. That's gonna help keep the soil loose and well draining. Edible varieties can get really tall, like really tall, like eight feet tall. That's like taller than a professional basketball player. So if you decide to plant some from seed, be sure to find out how tall they're gonna get because you don't want to unintentionally um, shade out the sunlight from any of your neighboring plants. I have only grown amaranth as a warm season green one summer. I had ordered some really cool red leaf amaranth seeds and it was amazing. It grew like a weed and I was so excited to try it. So I picked a bunch of leaves, I brought them inside, I rinsed them and dried them. I tore them up, made like this little salad and I swear within one minute of eating it, my sinuses just swelled up like, and I instantly had a stuffy nose. I was like, what the heck is going on? So I just threw away my salad and I went to the computer to look it up because I was a little concerned about how quickly my nose stopped up. And I just needed a little reassurance from Dr. Google that I was gonna be okay. Well, it turns out that another name for amaranth is pigweed. And pigweed is a very common allergen. I don't really remember, but it must have been blooming or close to blooming and just full of pollen. I had such a quick reaction after eating it that the next day I just went out and I pulled it all up. I was like, I am not messing around with this stuff at all. Had to go. I am able to eat the seeds, but I am for sure done with eating amaranth leaves. So if you know you're allergic to pigweed or you think you might be, you, yeah, might not be the warm season green for you. Alrighty, thanks for joining me today here in my backyard. I think there is rain in the forecast this week. Um, I'm not really sure how much we will actually get if we get any at all, but it did kind of look like we were in for some rain, but 
it's a really good time to take advantage of the rain and put down some more mulch. It's going to help keep the weeds down. It's going to help maintain soil moisture. A good layer of mulch is going to keep the soil and the roots cool throughout the summer. So if you haven't mulched your plants well, be sure to get that chore done soon. It's going to be summertime before you know it. Production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas. Thank <laughs> you.